That's what we do, Lord. This morning, we'll be doing it's so wonderful to be together, to know you and love you, Lord. Be your people. Speak to us now through your precious word, we pray. We've given our offerings as a sign, Lord, with a commitment to you, and we pray you'll see it too, Lord, as our hearts are wide open to the things that you would say to us this day. And may you find us an obedient people. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Our senior pastor's away on holidays at the moment, and uh, we have a sort of a Baptist morning, believe it or not. We have got some guests here, two guests. Come on up, Stuart, and come up, Elijah. Um, over the last couple of years, um, Queens, uh, Queensland Baptists have been uh, in the midst of a review, and we've been appointing some new leaders just recently, and Stuart is one of those into the position of Director of Services. Jason Ellsmore has been appointed as the Director of the QB Movement. And so both these men together will be forming a leadership team, which we're really excited about as we press forward as a movement. We have about 220 Baptist churches um, in uh, Queensland, about 50,000 people that are meet together throughout our state. And so we're part of all of that. In a moment, I'm going to tell you what we're part of in terms of a worldwide movement in just a moment when I introduced Elijah. But it's good to have Stuart here today and Therese. And I thought, church, we should welcome them, seeing they're here with us visiting today. The really good news is we've got two guests, but we've only got one sermon. Otherwise, we would have been here a very long time with two preachers up. So, Stuart, uh, just a bit of a greeting, brother. Be terrific. Thanks. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Peter. G'day, church. How are you going? Um, it's uh, one, of the, one of the images that the Apostle Paul uses in the Bible um, to speak about our collectiveness in Christ is a body, yeah? You know, we, we, we're part of the body of Christ. You know, he uses that uh, imagery uh, quite a bit. And we think of that primarily and rightly so as a local church that when you look at the person next to you they're part of the same body you're part of that we're because we're in Christ and he's our head we're working together to um, see his vision and his mission uh, continue on this earth but there's also a sense in which that happens into church as well and it's my privilege to be able to uh, lead and uh, work in and support uh, Baptist churches across this state and as uh, Peter said, there's 220 or so uh, Baptist churches and fellowships that are this morning meeting as we are, and they're part of the body of Christ, and you're part of that body too. You're part of something larger. And, and the, the, one of the good things about that is that we can accomplish so much more together than we could uh, individually. Uh, that's true at, at a local church level as individuals, but also collectively as Baptist churches across the state. And, and one of the really big examples of that is this building. You know, I noticed in, in your newsletter there that you had a BapLink loan and, and BapLink is the banking arm of Queensland Baptists where we're together pooling our resources, loaning money so that facilities like this can become a reality. But it's not just um, receiving things, though. I want to acknowledge this morning, I want to thank you, Bridgman Baptist, for the way you give back to the movement, particularly in people resources. I mean, this man here, he's been awesome. He's the chair of Queensland Baptist. He needs a, he's a big clap. But, but I want to honour you this morning for releasing him to be able to serve in this season. It's been a challenging season. And Peter, uh, along with many others, has stepped up to serve in this season. But there's so many others. I know there's a whole bunch of people from Baplink from this church who work here and, and Stephen Ball and others who are on staff. And there's others who serve, even your own senior pastor serves on one of our committees and others of your pastoral team. So I want to thank you this morning, uh, Bridgman. And, and I want to just remind you that you're part of something bigger. And on behalf of that, that, that bigger organization, I bring you greetings and say, God bless you.
Thanks, Stuart. Uh, we want to, we'll be continuing to encourage and pray for you, brother, too, as well. Elijah, come over a little bit closer. Um, Elijah is the CEO of Baptist World Alliance. Um, that uh, is Baptist throughout the world. There's 125 countries uh, where there are Baptist works, and it's about 45 million, 47 million, I think, was the latest count of folks throughout the world. So it's amazing to think uh, part of a big family. And uh, Elijah has just taken, uh, recently taken this role on. The purpose of BWA, it's a networking um, of Baptists uh, to impact the world for Christ. And uh, Elijah was appointed to that particular role two years ago. He's been doing a great job. And it's a real joy to have him here. He's um, flitting through Asia. This particular man um, spends a third of his year traveling the world. And he has a family, a wife, and three children, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a three-year-old, I think. And that's a big cost and commitment. And so it's a real, ble- a real blessing for us to have this man um, here with us today to share God's world. So, brother, welcome. It's absolutely terrific to have you here, Elijah, this morning. And we pray you'll be real blessed as you share with us and a blessing as you bring God's word to us. Church, don't do a half-baked welcome this morning, will you? This man has come from Washington, D.C. Um, to bless us this morning. He's left his family behind. He's a man of God who loves Jesus. So, church, no half-baked welcome. And uh, hold it, and, and he's going home to tell America that Australia's not burning or not burning anymore. So, come on, church. Something really good to welcome this man today. That's his Well, it is an honor to uh, be here with you, and certainly many around the world have been praying for Australia and with you during this uh, challenging time. Uh, The Australian Baptist Union has long been part of the global Baptist family. Since 1905, you have journeyed worldwide with Baptists all around the world. But we have gathered here this morning in God's name to be interrupted by our pastor. I thought of something I forgot to do. Um, I'll whip um, it in. No, I'm, no I'm going I'm to get it in right now. Um, um, Elijah has a real heart for um, persecuted Christians. He's actually um, was the CEO for a period of time for the 21st Wilberforce um, Initiative, um, which is a human rights organisation defending people with faith. But he told the story yesterday at the meeting, and I've just got to tell it this morning. It's about people who write letters to those that are um, in jail in places around the world, And uh, it was just a great story. And I know many of you have done that here, um, as Robin and Aileen encourage us to write letters. So, um, brother, I had to interrupt you. I know you were in full flight there, but tell us the story and then you can get back into full flight. So uh, we need to encourage this man, seeing I've just interrupted him. He's going to say, what a rude pastor this is. But anyway, good on you, brother. Thanks. Now, all right. Listen, it's true that there are many around the world who face really challenging circumstances. Just this morning, I got up and I read the, a, a report from one of uh, those who deal with persecution around the world that focused on eastern Ukraine. I'll come to your story in just a moment. But just this morning, I'd read the report about churches in eastern Ukraine, where earlier this month, the Gospel of John and the hymn book used by Baptist churches in eastern Ukraine were declared illegal for being extremist, quote, extremist material. And there are many around the world who are living in these kinds of contexts. So several years ago, there was a Baptist pastor and a youth pastor in Myanmar who were incarcerated after the government had bombed a local church and they helped the world understand what had happened. And a little embarrassed, the government pledged to rebuild that church but incarcerated 
those two Baptist pastors, one of them receiving a sentence of four years. And I was sharing that story in northeastern Canada when, uh, as we would say in Texas, a little old lady came up and said, I'm a full-time carer for my husband and I'm hardly ever able to leave the home. What can I do? And I said, you can pray and you can, you know, you can write. And so she gathered the church together in between the Sunday school children's hour and their worship service, a very small church in a very rural part of northeastern Canada, and they wrote. And several months after I came into this position, I received an email from her that she forwarded from her minister of parliament who said, thank you for all of those letters you sent to us about these two Baptist pastors. We've asked our foreign minister to put out a statement regarding our commitment to the convictions of conscience. And it was about 45 days later those two Baptist pastors were released years in advance. You see, every one of us has a voice. We all have an opportunity. And when we stand as a body together, recognizing there's not a persecuted church and a free church, there's just one church in Jesus Christ. And we have gathered here this morning to say that we believe in the power of Jesus' name. We believe in the power of Jesus to change marriages, to heal strained relationships, to transform sin and strife. Whatever circumstance you may face, whatever sin you may be struggling with, whatever others may have done to you, there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus has changed my life, and he can change your life. This is who we are at the Baptist World Alliance. Together with you, we are Baptists in 125 countries and territories. Together with you, we are 47 million Baptists. Together, we are Baptists from Jordan to Jamaica, Switzerland to South Africa, Bangladesh to Brazil, Angola to Australia. Together, we are the Baptist World Alliance. And we belong together because we belong to Jesus Christ. And because we belong to Jesus, we are called in the Holy Spirit to God's global mission. This last year, I was in Colombia, and I traveled to the border of Venezuela. Over four million Venezuelans have fled as refugees. We traveled on one of those routes of the refugees who must walk two or three or four weeks as they seek a place of safety. And time and again, we heard there's no food, there's no water, there's no electricity, there's no jobs, even, even Bibles in a context where there's a lack of paper, even Bibles are being confiscated and sold on the black market. And today, a Bible in Venezuela can cost the equivalent of one month of an average salary. One refugee we visited named Luis put it this way, we have been through starvation. We have been sick, but we are clinging to God. We are orphans with no nation. It's a challenging location. But I don't want to give the wrong impression. When visiting with many of the Baptist leaders, their challenges and difficulties are often not at the forefront. 
The focus was often on the ministry opportunities the Lord was opening. Leaders shared how this crisis has brought revival and in their words, reawakened a sleeping church. Churches that have started feeding programs and education centers and medical clinics and connected with the real needs of society. And over these last four years, in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of political collapse, economic disintegration, leadership that has been put in prison, they've developed a missions endeavor that has trained 101 new missionaries who are now spread across the country seeking to bring help and hope. And in this last year, these Venezuelan missionaries have planted 32 churches. I asked, are these you know, are these missionaries paid? And they said, yes, we employ them. And I said, look, I know it's an awkward question for me to ask how much they make, but would, would you allow me to ask how much they make? And I'll tell you, and um, I've shared this story several times, and I shared it this summer, and my wife heard it, and she said, you gotta stop sharing that story because that may be what they're making, but it's not enough. So when you share the story, can you give them a pay raise? <laughs> so I'm gonna share with you the inflated number, if I may. Because if we're going to support them, let's give them a, a pay raise. These Venezuelan missionaries make full-time every month 15 Australian dollars. Now, I know budgets are tight and talent, financial challenges are faced by all of us, but I kept asking, $15 a month, can't we support them? It can make us uncomfortable, but crisis Challenge and injustice are so often the crucible for faith and renewal. Today, we need a spirituality of God's glory and God's mission, even should it require suffering. If you have your Bible, would you turn to or power up to Acts chapter 13? Acts chapter 13, we'll have the words on the screen. Acts chapter 13, we'll begin with verse number one. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. It's a challenging location. This was the church in Antioch. It was a church begun by people who experienced persecution after the killing of Stephen several chapters before. Stephen would not imagine that his death the first known martyrdom of Christianity, what must have seemed to the early church as a, a defeat, a, a setback, as their key leader was killed. He could not have known that that defeat would become a catalyst that would propel the gospel. God's kingdom economy can use defeat and setback change and challenge those who first brought the gospel to Antioch were refugees. They were chased out of Jerusalem, lost their worldly possessions, experienced in pain and persecution. They could have turned inward and focused on their own security. They could have dwelt in bitterness and in hurt. But the scriptures are clear. 
These were transformed individuals living out a transforming gospel. When they were persecuted, they welcomed. When they were pressured, they embraced. When they faced a challenged identity by society, they reached out for a broader community. When they lost safety and security, they pursued a missional witness. When they faced pain, they gave a transforming forgiveness, stateless, landless, persecuted refugees. They turned outward instead of inward. The conviction of conscience over compromise transformed individuals living out a transforming gospel. And it was a radical gospel that welcomed the community into the church. It was persecuted refugees who first welcomed Gentile believers like you and I into a sustained church community. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for using immigrants and migrants, persecuted believers, people who knew defeat and setback to build a church, to welcome the Gentiles, and to launch a missions movement that would change the world. A group of believers whose, whose faith was so radical, it needed a new term. For it was here that the disciples were first called Christian. Challenging ministry locations, challenging injustices, challenging circumstances, changing dynamics, transitioning communities. These are opportunities for a radical, transforming gospel. Locations matter. You know, the location of your church matters here at Bridgie. You are called to reach your community just as you are called to reach the world. The location of Antioch matters. Antioch was a major urban center with trade routes that stretched eastward and westward. And as you likely remember, Antioch was located in the modern-day country of Syria. When you hear these words, the Middle East, what are your first thoughts? Can we affirm that our faith is woven into the fabric of these great lands? For it was from Ur in southern Iraq that God called forward the great patriarch Abraham. Isaac's bride, Rebecca, came from northwest Iraq. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, spent 20 years in Iraq. And his sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, were all born in northwest Iraq. Jonah was a prophet of revival to the city of Mosul, Iraq. Nahum is buried in the Kurdish region of northern Iraq. Ezekiel helped reconstitute our faith while living as a refugee in Iraq. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego lived with courage and conviction at the intersection of Iraq and Iran. Esther prevented a genocide in modern-day Iran. Nehemiah was living and serving in Iran. Our faith is woven into the fabric of these great Middle Eastern lands. And Jesus walked in these lands. Jesus spoke the language of these lands. Jesus believed in the people of these lands. Which brings us right back to Syria. 
My own reflection around Syria changed several years ago as part of a conference that brought Christians from Syria into Lebanon for training around church leadership. And I know all of you are well prepared way in advance, but I will confess, I was on the plane praying, Lord, what am I going to say? I'm the first one to speak. I'm right off the bat. It's a group of Syrian church leaders, and man, my life context is so different. What, what Lord, would you have me to say? And I, I really felt like the Lord laid on my heart to begin with these two words. Thank you. Thank you because it was your ancestors whose commitment to the gospel welcomed Gentile believers like me. Thank you because it was your ancestors who became the first mission-sending church. Thank you because it was your ancestors whose faith commitment gave the world a new term, Christian. Do you know there are nine Baptist churches in Syria today? In the last 10 years, one Baptist church has grown from four people to over 1,000 people. They've done so without safety, without large budgets, and without cultural acceptance. They've done so with a radical vision of service that is willing to embrace suffering for the glory of Jesus and the furtherance of his kingdom. One Baptist leader is a woman named Haya, a mother of four a radicalized group entered into her community one winter and snow blanketed the ground as the insurgents took Haya and her family along with others into the basement of a building. Some of the men were killed on the spot. The women were stripped naked and forced to run through the city streets as snow fell on the ground. But after three days, Haya and her family had survived and they were expelled into the winds of winter and they found refuge into an apartment that had been abandoned. It was so cold, she said, that our feet literally stuck to the ground. And after two weeks of huddling in that apartment, we were down to surviving and rationing our food, one olive per person per day. It's why they fled. It's why they fled to Damascus, walking seven hours through that cold and scarred by that shocking experience, they turned to a nearby Baptist church. And after sharing her horrific story, Haya says these words, even though I lost everything, I gained Christ. And our challenging locations, how will we serve? When we use this term, Christian, will we remember the church in Syria that gave us this term? I've come under the conviction that when we use this word, Christian, I'm a Christian, we owe the church of Syria a debt of gratitude. It's a challenging location, but it's far from the only one in our world today. With 70 million displaced people in the world today, there are more refugees today than at any other point in the last 70 years. There are as many people facing famine today as at any other point in the last 70 years. The specter of genocide continues to haunt throughout the Middle East against Christians, Yazidis, and other religious minorities, and among Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar. BWA Baptists, how will we respond for those around the world like those in eastern Ukraine? Will they declare the gospel of John illegal and extremist? 
How would we respond for Baptists in Russia, where they have a seminary with 1,200 Master of Divinity students that is under threat of closure this year? How would we respond for Gregory Perez, a youth leader in Venezuela who is leading the Baptist youth but arrested and remains in precarious legal jeopardy right now as we speak? How would we respond for the elder in Nigeria who stood and with tears in his eyes begged, pray for us, we are surviving by eating grass? How will we respond for Uyghur Muslims and Ahmadiyya Muslims and Tibetan Buddhists and all those who face trauma? How will we respond for even our own communities here that have been so impacted by fire and displacement? And these and so many other locations, will you continue to join with us at the BWA as we respond with hope and engagement? What about our own neighborhoods? Will we respond to violence and racism? What about ongoing hunger and xenophobic nationalism that is antithetical to the scriptures? Will we respond to environmental degradation, the intersection of technology and human rights, the rise of automated weapons and the scourge of rampant sexual abuse, even when it is within the church? Will we repent? And will we choose hope and engagement? And some of you are serving and challenging locations and circumstances. Thank you. And may the Lord continue to multiply through you with a powerful witness. Perhaps just now some of you are facing a personal challenge. Friends, would you hear again the good news? Jesus can transform challenge into victory. Loss into hope. Pain into renewal, hurt into healing. When we bring our brokenness to Jesus, he still transforms, draw near to Jesus. Perhaps it's spiritual. All people, myself included, struggle with sin. Come to Jesus. Sin that separates us from God, but in his death and in his resurrection, Jesus heals that divide. And you can know peace today. Would you give your life to Jesus before you leave this place, before you finish this podcast, whatever sin may be in your life, whatever shame you may feel, whatever others may have done, you can find peace and transformation in Jesus Christ if you'll give your life to him. For Jesus transforms sin into salvation and he transforms challenging locations Verse number two, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. You know, renewal comes in worship. Renewal emerges in prayer and in Holy Spirit direction. We are called to pursue intimacy with the Lord, to worship and to hear the Holy Spirit. Our Witness in our community derives joy and direction from worship that is grounded in the Holy Spirit while they were worshiping. Yes, in the midst of pressing schedules and professional expectations and family responsibilities, while they were worshiping, while they were worshiping. The word used here for worshiping is only used three times in the New Testament. It's the idea of 
public worship, public actions of faith. We made, might say it's while they served their neighbors, while they shared their faith, while they chose Christ-centered business ethics, while they led their family to Christ. This was a faith that was lived out in the community. And friends, we need this kind of kingdom vision, this boldness, this commitment to mission witness today. Would you join with me in seeking bold, Jesus-centered vision for his name and his glory? Would you join with me in pursuing intimacy with Christ? These leaders in Acts chapter 13 are, they're just right on the verge of initiating what will become a multinational mission movement based in discipleship. Now, they, they don't know it yet. They don't know it, but the actions that they are about to pursue will lead to a church planting movement that will impact literally the nations and we're still talking about here in this beautiful land. These leaders, while they were worshiping, fasting, praying, they became willing to embrace new models, new ways of engagement, even new leadership. Challenging locations often require adjustments to bold kingdom vision. Step forward in 2020, not backward. Step outward in 2020, not inward. This is an age of challenging locations, changing ministry patterns, increasingly urban, multi-ethnic environments defined by the language of trade and technology. And what we need are leaders compelled by the Holy Spirit, filled with a kingdom vision and living out a missional witness. Leaders grounded in prayer, welcoming new models, and defined by diversity. Do you see five, five leaders are listed in this church? Barnabas, who's known in the scriptures as being an encourager. Paul, who is a murderer transformed in Jesus. Manian, whose leadership was developed not in the church, but out in the public service, the public sector of the world. And then you'll see there are two others, right, who are listed Simeon, called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. Niger in the Greek refers to a person with black skin, and Cyrene is from the country of Libya. Five leaders are listed in this early church, religious leaders, community leaders, Jewish leaders, and two from Africa. Diversity is healthy, diverse leadership, diverse ethnicities, diverse perspectives, diverse ages, men and women. Diversity helps produce stronger leadership. The BWA, the Baptist World Alliance, is built around diverse leadership, and so can churches. We can raise up new leaders, invest in young leaders, invest in diverse leaders, invest in diverse perspectives. Multicultural diversity in leadership and in our lives is, is positive. Might we even say biblical. Two of these five leaders of this incredible church that changed the world were from Africa. What what does it mean to affirm that the first church where followers were first called Christian were led by African believers? Would you, uh, would you picture that moment with me? They're gathered in a room, they're worshiping, they're praying, and 
maybe Paul and Barnabas come down and they, they kneel on the ground as these other leaders gather around them and they place their hands on them. And two who commissioned these first missionaries were African. To the African church, thank you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for commissioning these first missionaries. For I am grateful for African leadership who commissioned missionaries to carry the gospel first to Europe. We need this sort of missionary commitment today. So thank you to the church in Syria and thank you to the church in Africa for whom we all owe a debt of gratitude. For God's global mission calls for God's global church as one body. We need each other. We need the perspective, the passions, the histories, the giftedness that each one brings. We belong together because we belong to Jesus Christ. And because we belong to Jesus Christ, we are called in the Holy Spirit to God's global mission. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them. This is the birth of the missions movement. They sent them to carry the gospel to new cities, new countries, new languages. The scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are clear. We are called to carry the gospel as witnesses. And BWA Baptists, we still believe. We still believe in a great commission we still believe in an invitation to bring glory to Jesus among all peoples in all places. We remain challenged by that great German Baptist leader from the 1800s named Johann Gerhard Unken who said, every Baptist a missionary. Every Baptist a missionary. Right here, this whole room filled right now, right as we sit, you are a missionary. Isn't it great? All the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible, not a one of them says missionary because every Baptist is a missionary to your neighborhood, to your school, to your university, to your work environment, to your community, wherever you are, every, every Baptist, a missionary. Do we still believe? I remain challenged by those who passionately share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This last year I was in Bangladesh and I met Reverend Martin Bouchoir Biswas and I asked him about his ministry and he described how over the last 40 years he has helped plant 60 different churches. In the last 10 years, your global Baptist family has grown 31% from 36 million to 47 million. If we can advance a couple of slides. In the last 10 years, the Baptist family in Europe has declined 7%, and the Baptist family in North America has declined 6%. But in the last 10 years, the Baptist family in Asia has grown 6%. The Baptist family in the Caribbean has grown 43%. The Baptist family in Latin America has grown 33%. And in the last 10 years, the Baptist family in Africa has grown 161%. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in powerful ways all around the world, even if we don't always feel it right here and right now. And what about this last year? 
in the last year, here are the top 10 fastest growing Baptist conventions in the world. Turkey, number nine, Congo, eight, Belgium, seven, the only one in North America, the Baptist Churches of the Zomi, a refugee and migrant group from Myanmar. Number six, the Philippines. Number five, the Baptists in Tanzania. Four, Baptists in South Sudan. Three, Baptists in Ethiopia. Two, Baptists in Rwanda. And the fastest growing Baptist convention anywhere in the world this last year was the Cameroon Baptist Convention. 85% growth. Now, Pastor, I want to come back next year and celebrate with you 85% growth. How about even 8.5% growth next year, right? What does it mean even in Cameroon, which is, as many of you will know, is living in what is virtually a civil war between the French-speaking and the English-speaking portions of that country? Now, obviously, look, it's not all about numbers, right? It's about faithful obedience. It is the love of Jesus Christ that invites us to cross languages and communities. It is honor for Jesus that calls us to empty ourselves. It is hope in Jesus that gives us good news to share. For mission is not about what you and I can achieve, but about the honor of Jesus' name. For Jesus is worthy, worthy of every tongue to confess, worthy of every knee to bow, worthy of every life to embrace, and we still hear the Lord's call to surrender. Surrender the security of home. Surrender the certainty of close family relationships. Surrender, if need be, economic assurance and inheritance. Surrender, if need be, title, position, institution. Surrender an unwillingness to cross the street or cross our flats or to feel uncomfortable. Surrender in order to embrace. And embrace an invitation to join Jesus. Embrace an invitation from your neighborhood to the nation's. Embrace the glory of God by sharing the love of Jesus who died so that none may perish but all may have eternal life. The challenge is to a renewed passion for living out the kingdom of God. It's an invitation to an unfinished mandate. As the psalmist declares or urges, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. There are seven, there are many people around the world who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are still seven billion people in our world, and out of those seven billion, about three billion are unreached people. 41% of the world's population unreached with the gospel, and the majority of them right here in the Asia Pacific region. We need you. Bridgie, you with your gifts, your skills, your passion, your history, your resources. Every Baptist in this room as a missionary, the global church, the Asian church, they need you. Mission and evangelism remain a core commitment to who we are at the Baptist World Alliance. We also continue to give aid and theological training and to help those who are facing persecution because with you we believe that the gospel calls for leaders 
who are renewed in the Holy Spirit and living with a kingdom commission. From those near and those far, across your street, in your community, and around the world, we are invited to live gospel-oriented, missional lives. They laid hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they were sent. Today, we too are being sent. You are being sent to your neighborhood and to the nations. Would you allow me to conclude with just a couple of invitations? First, would you allow me to ask you to pray? Would you pray for your Baptist brothers and sisters all around the world? You can get on our website, and I'd encourage you to do so, and sign up so that you can get real updates from around the world about how you can pray with insight and knowledge about Baptists around the world. Would you join us in a movement we're calling Go 2020? I'm asking every Baptist all over the world to consecrate the month of May 2020 to intentionally share the gospel, to start new churches and new discipleship groups. What would it look like if all 168,000 Baptist churches would work to train their members, prepare their members, and in the 31 days of the month of May, share the gospel? What would it look like? Lord, please, every week I pray for this. What would it look like if 47 million Baptists shared the gospel with at least one other person? Every Baptist, a missionary. So in May 2020, we're calling every Baptist to share the gospel. And then we'll gather just a few weeks later in July 2020 for a worldwide Baptist Congress, 4,000 Baptists from all around the world will gather in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. These Congresses only happen every five years, and we've got a space at that Congress for you. Come, join in, and see for yourself. Meet these Baptist brothers from Syria. Meet the Baptist brother from Venezuela. Meet the Baptist brothers and sisters from Ukraine and from Russia. They'll all be there. And I hope you'll come too. There's a website there, bwa2020.org, where you can sign up. There is power in the name of Jesus. Will you close your eyes and would you picture, picture with me. I picture things in my, would you picture in your mind, picture in your mind right now, unreached megacities, see them, see those cities from Bangladesh to Mexico City, to London, to Rio de Janeiro, to Sydney. Will you see, picture with me, see with me rural villages from Texas, where I'm from, to Turkey, to South Africa, to Australia. Will you see with me hurting suburbs in Moscow and Accra and Brisbane. See with me, see with me, would you, men and women, boys and girls, rich and poor, young and old, Someone who lives near you, someone on your street, in your community, around the world. And as you see these images, will you picture them with the eyes of a loving God, a crucified and resurrected Jesus, and a Holy Spirit that's calling you. These scripture leaders were African and Middle Eastern refugees. They were persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. They were diverse and they were leadership. They were renewed in their worship and they launched 
a missions movement. They placed their hands on them and they were sent. And so today, are you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for bridging. We thank you for all that's going on inside this beautiful community. We thank you for every person in every seat, some today who feel you and some today who wonder if you exist. And Lord, we ask, bless this community. Bless these marriages, bless these families, bless those who are single, bless those in school, bless those looking for a job, bless those in jobs, bless this community. And as you bless this community, would you turn them into an even greater blessing to Brisbane, to Australia, and around the world. Father, we, we stand before you right now with open hands. We feel your spirit upon us, and we say, yes, send us, yes, in the name of Jesus. Was that an affirmation for his church, isn't it? Isn't it? Our involvement with Syrian people in this very church. Wow, how great is that? Those that have come from the continent of Africa to join us here, how many have come? God is blessing this nation with the peoples of the world to help us to be his light in this very nation. It's amazing what God is doing. And we've all got a part in that. I know my heart's been stirred this morning. And we've just got the right song. I was, we were wondering, you know, you often wonder what you should f finish with when you have the guest preacher come. You never know where he's going to land something. But did you hear that part? He says, I surrender. Did you hear that? I surrender. And that's the very song we chose for the end. Elijah, yeah. That's the Holy Spirit calling us, church, calling us. So come, let's stand. This is a corporate response from us this morning. We've been prayed for by our brother. I pray that your hearts want to respond this morning and say, I'm available for this. Whatever you want me to do, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. So come, church, pray and sing this with heart and sincerity this morning. Let's do this together as God's people. Thanks, brother. Almighty One, hear the cry of our heart this morning. We pray as this new year, this new decade starts, Lord, here in 2020. You find us, Lord, available as a people to honour you and to serve you, Lord, wherever you want us in the world, Lord. Here in Brizzy, Lord, I know other places throughout this world, Lord. Bless those, Lord, from our church family dotted around the world, those in the Middle East this very moment of time, Lord. of ours, Lord. We who have been so dry and barren, Lord, pour out your Spirit, O Holy One, upon us. Come move by the power of your Holy Spirit. Anoint our brother Stuart and Jason, Lord, as they lead us, Lord, as a movement, we would pray in Jesus' name, Lord, and all the things that you have planned for us as a people, Lord, that this nation would be transformed, that there would be increase in the church of Jesus Christ, in the nation of Australia, we pray, Lord. Don't leave us behind, Lord, of the things that you're doing in this world. Come by the power of your Holy Spirit this year that we will be available and ready to serve you. Come, wind of the Holy Spirit. The last thing I'd love us to do this morning is to rest a hand on the person next to you, on their shoulder. Whether you know them or not, 
whether they actually know Jesus yet or not. Just rest their hand. Don't do anything too much to scare them in any way. Just rest their hand on them. If you know them really well, that's okay. And this is a commissioning for us this morning from Jesus. That's what we've heard. A leader in, in our, and not just in our nation, in the world has come this morning and called us to be God's people. This is our calling church here. And so, Lord, as we rest hands on one another here this morning, we commission one another, Lord. We've been commissioned by a brother. We heard it in his prayer, but we commission one another now to be your people, Lord. Witnesses of Jesus Christ, the transforming power of Jesus. For any in this room this morning who don't even know you, we prophesy over them, Lord, that they will come to know and love Jesus and become missionaries of Jesus Christ. Even this morning, we would pray for those who know you. Long-term, short-term, Lord that you will work deeply in our lives as we surrender and follow you and love you and point others towards you, Lord Jesus. This year we pray. We ask all these things. And so the Lord bless you and keep you, church. Lord, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. Lord, lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Please be seated. Why don't we thank our brother for sharing with us again this morning. Thank you so much, Elijah. We're a blessed brother. Real blessing. Do stay afterwards in the Welcome Cafe if you're brand new here. We'd love to catch up with you, have coffee. Don't rush off. Just hang around the courtyard. Bless others. If you'd like prayer this morning, some of our prayer team will be down the front to pray with you. God bless you all.